So today we're going to be looking at John chapter 17, verses 20 to 26, and that's page 1085 in the Red Church Bibles in front of you. That's John 17, and we're starting at verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Thanks, Laura, for reading that. Steve has prayed for us. Do keep it um, open in front of you. Let me pop that back down there. Still awake. It's warm, isn't it? It's warm. I'm going to be watching for people nodding off. Um, That's it. We'll keep alert. Uh, I don't know if you have um, particular days that stand out, times when it was just great uh, to be in a particular place doing a particular thing. One of mine, 13th of February 2010, is my friend Jim. Uh, his uh, 40th birthday. There he is, smiley Jim. What a lovely man. Although I'm beginning to notice that almost all of my friends are bald. Um, I don't know if there's a kind of self-love thing going on there. But it was his 40th birthday. Sonia, his wife, had organized it. She wanted it to be a great day doing the things he loved. And one of the things he, he loves is sharing uh, kind of happy times with his friends. We met in their house in Sheffield on the Saturday morning. We went for an 18-mile walk. Jim loves that kind of thing. Um, after an hour, we stopped at Grindleford Station Cafe. If you've never been to Derbyshire and you're looking for a place for a cooked breakfast, that's the place to go. Uh, we stopped there and had a cooked breakfast. I love that kind of thing. Um, not so much the 18-mile walk. After the walk, we came back to Jim's house. Sonia had organized a hog roast. We played games. And we sang a song that Sonia had written about Jim for his birthday. It was hilarious, and I loved it. It, it was one of those things. Do you, do you know those moments? It's one of those things uh, that was so lovely and so fun. It made you almost want to laugh and cry at the same time. You know that kind of feeling? It's almost tears of joy come, and the smiles come. It's, it's, laugh, it's half laughter, half crying at the same time, but not because you're sad or upset. It's just so lovely. I love days like that uh, because they're extravagant. The food, the drink, the laughter, it just seemed to be one good thing after another. Uh, they're free. I didn't pay for any of it. All that stuff, it was free. I'm so Scottish uh, like that. And they're full of love. 
Uh, they're full of love. What, what made it good, it, it wasn't the food or the games, although I enjoyed those things. It was my friend Jim. And you'll know, you'll know if you've got, if you've got good friends, you'll know what I mean. The, the other things, all the other things were good because Jim was there. And actually, it's, it's funny because alongside that, uh, the only reason I was there is because I'm friends with Jim. His friendship, if you like, was my way in to all those good things. You can imagine how I felt. Imagine the day, imagine how I felt, and imagine if that kind of feeling could last not just for a day, but it could be every day. Imagine if that was every day. Extravagant, free, full of love. And if you can imagine that, you can even get a glimpse of imagining something like that, and if it sounds appealing in the least, then you'll appreciate part of the reason that the Apostle John wanted to write this book about Jesus. This Jesus who shows, who's shown that he's God come to give eternal life. This Jesus, we heard saying in previous weeks to his disciples, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. And then he says to them, I have called you friends. God calling people friends. It's extravagant. It's free. It's full of love. And drawing towards the climax of this good news, we're listening in to one of his prayers. He's, he's praying for the church. That's what's going on here. For these people that he's called friends. And here's what he prays. If you've got a little postcard, there's a, a couple of things. Here's the first thing. Jesus prays the church will, will know and make known his glory. That, that's verses 20 to 23. And last week, if you were here, James, who was speaking, took us through the first part of the prayer. And Jesus there in those verses, he was, he, he was kind of praying specifically for uh, the first disciples who were there with him on the night. But no, he, now he goes big. In the second part of the prayer, he goes big and he starts to pray for a vast number of people throughout history, across the world, you see there in verse 20, if you've got it in front of you, if you're looking at the Bible, he says this, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. It's quite a thought, isn't it? If you call yourself a Christian tonight, 2,000 years ago, the night before he dies, Jesus was praying for you. What's he saying? What's he praying you know the way people who are good with words manage to say things in a way that makes them stick? Little, little techniques that, that help you listen and remember. So, sometimes they kind of use repetition. Uh, they'll repeat things, but often with a little twist in it so that it uh, sticks. I think 23 years ago, I think it was Frank Skinner and David Baddiel wrote a song, Three Lines. You know the repetition in it. It's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming, and then the twist football. It's coming home. And 23 years later, it's still in my head. People in our house who weren't born then know it. It's stuck. Or, or you think about some great speeches, Winston Churchill, some phenomenal speeches. You hear the repetition, we shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the street. And then the little twist, we shall never surrender. Uh, the repetition and the little twist just, just helps it stick, doesn't it? As you, as you listen to something, you don't even notice that it's going in, but you, you hear the repeated ideas 
And sometimes a little twist just catch your attention. Jesus does something similar. In this prayer, he, in fact, it's one of the ways you know, although he's praying to his father, he wants us to listen in on it. He does it in such a way to help us remember and think stick. He repeats his ideas with a little twist. Verses 20 and 21, they get repeated in verses 22 and 23. I don't know if you can read those. If you can, I was trying to fit it all on the screen. If you can see it, but he kind of repeats the same kind of thing. So verses 21 and 23, I don't know if you spotted it. There's a repeated prayer for Christians to be united. He's praying that we'll be one and brought to complete unity. In verses 22 and 23, there's a repeated prayer that the world will know about Jesus. But there's a twist, and it's how to do with how this unity is achieved. You look at verse 20. Jesus says, I, I pray for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. And the point where you think that should be repeated, can you click on to the next slide, Olaf? Is that all right? Just, I think they're, yeah, that bit up at the top. But verse 22, were you expecting just to repeat the same thing? It's a bit different. I have given them glory, the glory that you gave me, that they may be one. Well, it's kind of twisted it a little bit. Which is it? What brings unity? Is it the message of the Bible that these men are going to pass on? Or is it experiencing the, the glory of Christ? Now, why the twist? Which is it? Which one is it? And, and then you realize as you stop and think about it, as you listen to Jesus' prayer, what he's saying, these, well, these first disciples, these eyewitnesses, they, well, they saw, didn't they? They saw the glory of the Son of God when he became human and lived for a while on earth. But we didn't. We didn't see that glory in person. So Jesus is praying, having seen it, they'll write down the message, and through that, we'll experience him too. That's what's going on. Jesus is praying for you and me, people who have not seen him face to face, and he's praying that as, as you and I hear and read the Bible, God will cause you to encounter him, to really meet him, grasp his glory. That's, that's how those two things balance out. Those, those who will believe in him through their message, I have given them the glory that you gave me. They will grasp his glory. His, his glory, that's in some way the measure of his godness. That you grasp just how holy and powerful, gracious, kind, and good he is. That as you, as you read the Bible, here in 2019, you'd you'd meet your creator. Those of you who are younger, maybe teenagers, as Steve mentioned, Bible reading notes. Maybe you've got Bible reading notes. Maybe you use them at home and you, you open them up and you, you sit and read the Bible maybe in the morning or in the evening or maybe it's before you go to bed and it you sit down to read and it feels hard work, doesn't it? There's so many things you would do instead sit and read it, and you think it's a bit hard work. I don't always get it. And then you come to this tonight, and you hear Jesus. Jesus has been praying for you. Those of you who are teenagers, 2,000 years ago, with you in mind, you sit with your Bible reading notes, with your Bible open, reading a little bit, the Son of God, the Lord of glory, 
the one who's eternally with his Father, who's praying with you in mind. And he's praying for you that as you do that, as you read the Bible, you'll meet him and he will give you a glimpse of his glory. Don't give up on it. Don't give up on it when it feels a little bit like hard work. He will meet you. Now, you'll meet the super spiritual. You often come across them. You'll meet the super spiritual who talk about fancy experiences of encountering God in unusual ways. And it all sounds, all sounds very impressive. Leave them to it. Jesus has prayed for you that as you read his words, you'll experience his glory. It's true for all of us, isn't it? Coming to church Sunday by Sunday, and it seems very ordinary. Jesus is praying that for us. Praying the same thing for us. You didn't get to see him face to face when he walked on earth over 2,000 years ago, but he wants you to encounter him in such a way that it will captivate you. That's what he's praying. And not only will it draw you to him, but also to others who believe. It will unite you to a church family. That's what he's praying. It's how you can tell if, if someone is really encountering Jesus or just full of spiritual hot air. A real encounter with Jesus always makes you committed to his people. Makes you committed to a local church. Not flighty, just coming when you can. There, look, I know there's some genuine reasons why we can't always get along on a Sunday. You can't always make it. Some, some of us have jobs where we've just got shifts that are unusual and hard. Some have tricky family commitments, but the desire to be united to God's people, that's what Jesus is praying for. And no one is really committed to Jesus who is not committed to a local church. And do you see why Jesus prays all this? It's verse 21. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Repeated with a twist, verse 23 then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. Church is a weird thing, isn't it? It's a funny group of people who like and enjoy different kind of things. I was talking to somebody the other week who, who comes along here who was saying he, his favorite car is a Subaru and he was putting in a a massive set of subwoofers or something in his friend's car. I said, not many people at Christchurch are into that kind of thing, is there? He said, no, not, not so many. Nobody really chats to me about that kind of stuff. We're, we're a mix of people, aren't we? We're a funny mix of people, and yet here we are on Sundays, meeting during the week, and Jesus' prayer seems to be that as people look in on us and begin to ask, why church? Why do you go to church? Why do you, you meet up with those other people? Why, why all these friends that are Christians as well that will begin to speak this same Bible message about the glory of Jesus, how he's loved us, gave his life to forgive us, not because we deserved it, not because we, in the first place, liked him, and then they'll see the difference that it makes as we love and forgive each other, not because we deserve it. No, we'll genuinely do things that let each other down, hurt each other, but 
will love and forgive each other, not because we deserve it, but because we're becoming like him. And some of them will want to know him too, his extravagant, free, full of love glory. As we look at you, look at our relationships as a church family, hear the message we, we talk about, that's this prayer. I'm trying to find a way of summing up in some kind of way. And this is, this is my attempt during the week. I think it's going to come up on the screen. It's like this. Olaf, have you got the next bit just to go up? There it is. I think it's something like this. Jesus prays the church will know him through his word. So the world might know him through his church. That we as a church family will know the glory of the Lord Jesus as we encounter him in his word and it will captivate us and change us so that the world might, looking in on us and getting to know us, might know him through us as we speak to them about him. It's a vast prayer, isn't it? And it doesn't stop there. There's a, there's a little bit more. If Jesus, in a sense, if he prays that we will know and make known his glory. He also prays for us and then will enjoy him forever. See, in verses 20 to 23, you can't escape the fact that Jesus wants the church, wants his friends to be involved in talking to others about him. It's why mission is one of our four foundations as a, a church family. We must be committed to that. Don't find it easy, do we? But we must steel ourselves and be committed. Part of our task is we're following Jesus is to talk to other people about him. Some will be better than others. Some will just be good at introducing people to other people who can talk a bit better. Some will just be good at inviting people along to things that are on here. We must be committed to it, but even that mission, evangelism, if you like, it's not ultimate, it's not the end. One day that activity will stop. There will be a day, won't there? You ever think about this? There will be a day, you can imagine it this way, there'll be angels looking over, if you like, the, looking over the walls of heaven, counting the last one in. And the cry will go up, that's it, it's the last one. The last one's in. And the father will say to the son, go and get them. Bring them home. There'll be a last, it'd be quite a thought, wouldn't it? Maybe you'd be talking to the last one telling them about Jesus just before he comes. But one day that, that work will stop. But others will continue, and that's Jesus' prayer in verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. There's so much in that, isn't there? You, you read these words, and there's so much in that. Just as we come to do you remember that? do you remember that delicious feeling when you were younger? Those of you who are much older, you need to think a bit further back. Do you remember that delicious feeling when you were younger, and you realize you're maybe in the lounge, and you realize it's past your bedtime, and nobody said anything? Do you remember that feeling? And, and you think, they've not noticed. They've not noticed it's past bedtime. It's half past eight, and they've not said anything. The television's still on. They've not sent me up to bed, and you try and seem small in the sofa. Do you remember that feeling? You just, oh, just sink down a little bit. I'm not going to draw attention to myself. 
I'm here so that no one will notice. And you feel like you're being allowed to peek into the grown-up world of late-night conversations. What do they talk about? What do they talk about when I'm not normally around? It's never that exciting, is it? <laughs> you imagine it would be amazing. It's never that exciting. It's just... But you have that feeling. Do you remember that feeling? What do they talk about when I'm not normally around? What are my parents like when I'm not here to see them? And there's, there's, something of that, there's something of that here. I mean, Jesus is praying for us. For Christians tonight, he's praying for us. But God the Son is talking with his Father about what they're like together. We're allowed to listen in. What they're like together from before creation to the future ahead, that's what Jesus is talking about. From eternity past to eternity future, that's what he's got in mind. We, we saw last week, if you were here, Jesus talks about this, himself as the Son bringing glory to his Father. And here we see the Father, what does he do? Well, he gives glory to his Son and the Father eternally loves the Son. Before he, he created anything else, he wasn't bored. He wasn't lacking anything. The Father and the Son were, were loving one another with a boundless, boundless, all-satisfying love. Not bored for an instant. Not needing anything else. The Father eternally loves the Son. That's what this God is like, glorious and eternal, other-person-centered love. And in verses 20 to 23, there's a sense, that first part of the prayer, there's a sense that Jesus, when he, when he took on a human nature and he came to earth for that period of time, he genuinely revealed his glory, but in a constrained way. We, we couldn't have borne it all. And through the gospel message, as we hear the Bible's message today, and he works in us by his spirit, we'll, we, in a sense, glimpse, get a glimpse of that revealed glory. But verse 24 is saying, that's not the end. Your little times reading the Bible, that's not the end. Even the best moments when you, you gather as a church, and it, God's presence seems tangible in some ways, that's not the end. No, those who belong to him, those he's forgiven and saved, those he knows by name, he wants them to be with him so they can enjoy forever his unconstrained glory, which is nothing less than to know and experience the love and joy of God. My friend Jim, what made, I don't know, what made his party so wonderful? It sounds really gushy. Blokes don't talk like this, do they, very often. It wasn't the stuff we did. We did lots of stuff. It was just getting to be with him. I love being in his home with his family, I love it. Heaven will be full of stuff. There'll never be anything less than this life. But what makes it wonderful? What will be the satisfying thing that will satisfy you eternally is knowing Jesus fully there. And that's what he's praying for you. It's a vast prayer, isn't it? Tiny you, knowing glorious him, eternally. So we're not there yet. 
And there's lots in this life that's not enjoyable. If you're a Christian, you'll know that. There's lots in this life that's, that's not enjoyable. Being a Christian in the workplace, at times it can be hard. Just in your family, at school, those kind of things going on. There's troubles. There's things that are just diffi- difficult about it. Making decisions. You've got to make decisions in life. Wondering if you're getting it right. There's lots of stuff that's not enjoyable. The Narnia books are, uh, are special to many people. I, you've, probably, you've probably read them countless times. I, I've read them. I've read them myself. They're kind of like, I kind of think of them like baked beans. Baked beans are my comfort foods. Uh, the Narnia books are a bit like my comfort book. Is that a thing? Can you have a comfort book? I, I love the kind of things in it. In one of them, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, there's a story within a story, if you've read that one. There's a story within a story. Uh, Lucy, one of the girls, finds a book in a house in the story, and, and it says this. If you got it at home, you can go back and read it. It's page 121 in mine anyway. I know it well. And it, it says this. She, comes, she gets into a house, and there's a, there's a room with a book, and it's a book of spells, magic spells. And it, it says this. On the next page, she came to a spell for refreshment of spirit. And the pictures were fewer here, but very beautiful. And what Lucy found herself reading was more like a story than a spell. And it went on for three pages. And before she had read to the bottom of the page, she had forgotten that she was reading at all. She was living in the story as if it were real. And all the pictures were real too. When she'd got to the third page and come to the end, she said, that is the loveliest story I've ever read or ever shall read in my whole life. Oh, I wish I could have gone on reading it for 10 years. At least I'll read it over again. But here, part of the magic of the book comes into play. You couldn't turn back. The right-hand pages, the ones ahead could be turned. The left-hand pages could not and then as the story goes on and she tries to remember it, she discovers it's fading from her memory really quickly and she can't remember the story. A, a little later, she meets Aslan, who's the great king in the stories, I'm sure you know, and she asks him, shall I ever be able to read that story again, the one I couldn't remember? Will you tell it to me, Aslan? And he says this. This is the bit when I'm reading it at home, I always get a bit choked up. <laughs> So I'm just steadying myself. And he says this, Indeed, yes, I will tell it to you for years and years and years. It's quite a thought, isn't it? A wonderful story that's finished and complete. And you can't quite keep it all in your head, but someone will go on telling it to you for years and years and years. And it's a magical kind of story because as you read it, you find it actually draws you in so that you begin to live it. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? And you wonder, where do these writers get their ideas from? Where do you come up with ideas like that? And then you listen to Jesus' prayer in verse 26. You got that in front of you? Father, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. For my friend Jim to speak and draw me into his party, that was a great thing. But you understand what Jesus is praying here. 
In fact, almost saying to his father what he's going to do and wanting us to listen into it until the day he brings you to enjoy his glory forever. If you will listen and believe the Bible message, he will keep telling you the gospel story for years and years and years. And through it, he will keep drawing you closer to himself. That's what he's praying for our church. It's a vast prayer, isn't it? The Son of God will speak to you for years and years and years and draw your life into his life. That we will know and make his glory known and then enjoy him forever. So as we draw to close, so what? So what about all of that? You, you Cambridge folk, you're so active, so capable. What are we going to do as a result of this? Well, look, there are parts of the Bible where we ask rightly, what do we need to do? In the first place, this isn't one of those bits, is it? This isn't in the first place saying, here's what you need to do. It's saying, look what Jesus has done that you couldn't do for yourself. If you've become a Christian, I imagine that you heard the Bible at some point. The Bible's message, you had to. Among some Christians, among some church at some point. Why did that happen? This says, because the Son of God prayed that for you. Wasn't that kind? Before you even knew him. He prayed that for you. So we love him because he always first loved us. Are you wanting others to find out about Jesus? Well, then Jesus is praying that our church will meet him in his word so that in word and life we'll share him with others. He's prayed that. And so always in the first place, it depends on him, not on us. But I guess if you want to start doing something, before you get all active, a good thing to do would be to begin to pray in the same way and for the same things as Jesus at work and at school, here on Sundays, uh, that we'll know and make his glory known, that we'll, we'll know him through his words. And that we'll do all those things as a church family, committed and united. That's what he wants. That Pathfinder leaders serving on the welcome team, conversations during the week. And so let's pray. Uh, Matt is going to come up and lead us again in a moment. But before he does that, let's just have a, a brief moment. Uh, thinking about the way the Lord Jesus has prayed for us. And uh, maybe in prayer yourself, you just want to thank him. Or maybe you want to echo some of those prayers back to him. Let's have a moment to pray and then Matt will lead us on.